0: Good morning, church family. So great to see you here. And if you are a guest here with us, special welcome to you. We saw right before the service today a little highlight from our Spring Fest this last Wednesday where we had hundreds of people come out here uh, to our campus on our ball field and just enjoy that night. So really grateful. If you are maybe a guest from that night and you're here and this is your first service or maybe you're tuning in online for the first time, we're glad that you're here. We hope that uh, your heart is stirred to worship Christ this Palm Sunday. That's what today is. We're going to be looking at... Palm Sunday. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 21. Now you saw this video about our series that we've been going through, prophet, priest, and kings. And we're continuing through that. Last week we looked at a king and King Saul that faltered and failed and didn't follow uh, God's will and God's way. But what we're going to see today is a king who is faithful, who followed God's God the Father's will perfectly. And so last week we saw a king that faltered. This week we see a king that is faithful as he humbly comes to serve us. And as we get closer to Easter, Easter's just one week away. It's next Sunday. So we're talking about Palm Sunday today. But next week is Easter. We've been doing some things to help encourage you as our church family to worship Christ well this Easter. Every Sunday is important. Every Sunday we're remembering that that's the day that Christ rose from the dead and defeated the curse of sin. And so there's a celebration we do every single Sunday. But there is something special and unique about Easter for us, and I don't want us to miss it. And so we've had these 40 days of prayer, uh, this little booklet you've been going through. I hope you're following along and praying those each day to help prepare your heart. Maybe even reading that um, before you have dinner at night with your kids, or your grandkids around. Um, And if you're new here and you didn't get one of those 40 days of prayer, we still have them in our Welcome Center. You can pick those up on your way out and start actually today. It's day 33 in there. It's labeled Palm Sunday, so you can't mix it up. And start praying this last week leading up to Easter to prepare your heart to praise and to worship Christ. Another thing we have is a Good Friday service. This coming up Friday. Now, I'm really excited about that. I hope you are. We've never done something like that as a church before to, to come in and celebrate Good Friday. And it is a celebration. There is something sobering about Christ dying on the cross for our sins that we think about on Good Friday. But he is worthy of praise. And so that's what we're going to do on Fridays. We're going to praise praise him. We're going to worship him. And I would really invite you to, to bring your family to this. Because during our time, I'm going to give some very tangible things to the kids And actually walk through that to help them understand why kind of the Passion Week, is what we call it, from Palm Sunday to Easter is so important. And it'll be beneficial to you also. So there'll be something tangible there for our kids and we'll walk through and talk about that with them. And this may be open up some doors for you as parents to talk about the gospel with your kids and to share the good news of Jesus with them. And on top of all that goodness, we're going to be able to do the Lord's Supper on Good Friday. And so mark your calendars. Be here this Friday to worship and praise God and prepare our hearts for Easter Sunday. But we're not there yet. We're on Palm Sunday today in Matthew 21. We'll start in verse 1. I'm going to read 11 verses for us, and then we'll unpack those this morning. Verse 1 says this. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, that's Jesus and his disciples, and they came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying. And This is the prophet Zechariah. We'll unpack this more in a minute, too. Say to the daughter of Zion, the people of God, Behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, a colt, the foal of the beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt, and they put on them their cloaks. And he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him... And that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me this morning. Lord, we thank you for passages like this. Familiar passages, but ones that have the deep realities that we need to know and understand about you. Lord, that you are a humble God coming to seek and to save that which was lost. You are a God who keeps your word, who never falters and fails. So God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. And we ask this morning that you would give us a deeper And a wider understanding of your goodness and your grace towards us. I pray that what we unpack in this passage passage today would stir our hearts to praise and worship you. Not just during this hour, but through this week and on until eternity. God, help us to worship you well. And to do that, God, help us to understand your word that we can live it out. Now let me invite you in this moment of silence to pray and ask that God would speak to you through his word today. Pray and ask him to do that now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your grace to us. God, help us to see it in new and refreshing ways for our hearts and our soul as we look at this passage today, to the glory of your great name we ask. Amen. Amen. Now I'm sure as I, as I read this story, nobody was like incredibly moved by this story. I mean it seems like an odd story, right? There's a, a donkey, there's coats, there's branches, there's a, a rowdy crowd. Maybe some of you have heard this story so many times, you're just so familiar with it, you just miss the beauty of it. Maybe you're even like my daughter. This week, uh, we were riding in the car together, and she asked me, she's like, Dad, what are, you, what are you preaching on on Sunday? She's 11, and I said, I'm actually preaching on Palm Sunday. And she's like, why do you have to preach about that? I've been learning about that since I was two. Like, she, she's got it figured out, right? She's 11 years old, she's heard it so many times, and that's how many of us feel when we come to passages like this. Like, man, I know it. What's the big deal? What's the big deal about this passage? Now, it's important Because there is a very, very big deal about this passage. I want you to think about this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the four gospels we have in our Bible. Every single one of them records this moment in the life of Jesus. Why? It's an odd moment, right? It's an odd moment. Like, donkeys, coats, palm branches, like, really? Like, was was not Matthew sufficient? Let's just have Matthew write it and everybody else can kind of leave that part out. Because obviously like Jesus going to the cross and obviously Jesus raised from the dead is way more important. Like that makes sense to have it included. But why the Palm Sunday? Why this time? Well, it's because they all realize that this is a big deal. That this matters. That this is important. Not just to them, but to us today. So what I want to do with the time we have is I want to give you three reasons why Palm Sunday matters to you and why it matters today. The first reason is this. Palm Sunday shows us the king who keeps his word. The king who keeps his word. Now, I'm going to talk about Jesus being king uh, throughout this entire message today. And we miss it, but this passage is highlighting that Jesus is king. Palm Sunday and what is happening here is very important to proclaim that Jesus is king. Now, we read it and we miss it. We don't understand it because culturally we don't do this kind of stuff anymore. But at this time, they knew, everybody knew, the crowds knew, the Romans knew that Jesus was proclaiming something extremely important, that he is the king. culturally they understood it, we don't understand it. Let me help us. Let me help us understand that there's some things culturally that we understand without missing a beat. So those of you that know my family, my kids love to get up early, have for years. Like they're the ones that wake up the rooster and then the rooster crows, okay? Like that's how my kids function. That's just the job that they decided to take on when they were born. They never let it go. So several years ago we were down at the beach with family and our kids wake up really early. We don't want to wake up the rest of the family. So what I do is I'm like, okay, I'm going to get our kids. We're going to go down to the beach and watch the sunrise, right? Because we're up before the sun. And so we're down there on the beach watching the, the sun come up. And there's a, a younger couple that's walking on the beach. And they're holding hands. And they're just smiling. And they're happy. You can just tell there's like just something romantic about the moment. And they stop. And they're a little ways away from us. We can't hear what they're saying, but we see them. And he gets down on his knee. And he opens the box, and there's a ring inside. And we just see her smile, and him stand up, and they give each other a big hug, and it's this amazing moment. Now, everybody in this room knows what happens in that moment. I knew, I couldn't hear what they said, but I knew what happened. Right? You, you know what happened, and you weren't there either. What happened? They got engaged. How, how do you know that? Because you, you know that there's certain things. There's a couple, they, they, they seem to love each other, they're walking along, there's a guy that takes a knee, he opens the box, he's got a ring in there, which means, you know, engagement. So all of these little things come together and we see it and we're like, ah, okay, I know what's going on. Now, that's something culturally we all understand. What's happening in Matthew 21, culturally, everybody understood. Jesus does several things to declare that he is the king that nobody would have been confused by, nobody would have been like, what's he doing? No, they knew because culturally this is something that happened in every nation, in every culture. If a king conquered an area, he would do certain things as he came into the capital. And Jesus reflects each one of those things. There's four or five things that we find. In the culture during, during this time of Jesus, people, when they would conquer, they would have their status recognized as they came into the city. That's the first thing they would do. This new king, this new ruler would would ride on an animal. Second thing, they'd be greeted by a claim. That's the third thing. They'd send people ahead of them to proclaim something as the king came into the city. And then as the king would enter in the city, he would always go to the temple. No matter which god it was, a deity he believed in, he would come in there and he would make a sacrifice. Or he would come in there and, and flip tables and burn the thing down because they're like, this is all wrong. That's what you find. Now, Jesus does every single one of those things. People realize. People realize what Jesus is proclaiming, that he's king. See, the crowds recognize Jesus' status. In verse 9, they call him the son of David. See, there's a promise made in the Old Testament that the son of David, one that would come from the king of David, would sit on his throne forever and ever and ever. And they're proclaiming that Jesus is from David's lineage, that he is the son of David. They're proclaiming Jesus' status. Jesus rides in, but he rides in not on a noble steed, but a donkey, right? Third thing, he's greeted with acclaim. The crowds shout, Hosanna, save now. They're looking at Jesus saying, this is the one who has come to save. They're proclaiming something to everybody about Jesus. And we didn't get to read this, but in the next few verses, you'll actually get a chance to unpack it in small groups this coming week. Starting in verse 12, Jesus goes into the temple. And he goes in there, and people are living selfishly and and abusing and excluding certain people. So he starts to flip the tables and declares that his house is to be a house of prayer. Jesus is doing everything to proclaim that he's king. And he's not just the, the king of Jerusalem. He's not just the king of Israel. You turn the pages of the gospels and you'll see that Jesus didn't have just authority over a city. He had authority over everything. He speaks to nature and it obeys him. He provides for multiple thousands of people multiple times. He has the power of provision. He even has authority over death itself. He is not just the king of Israel. He's the king of the whole universe. He's the king of all of creation. Now, This king of creation speaks. And when he speaks, he always keeps his word. He always keeps his promises. And so, yes, let's see him as king, but realize the reality that he never breaks his word. Look back at verse four in this passage. It says that this took place, why? To fulfill what had been spoken. The Palm Sunday, what we're talking about today. Verse 4 says, this took place. Why? So that God would keep the word that he spoke through the prophet, Zechariah. When we read this passage, it matters to us because it's meant to remind us that God always keeps his word. He always keeps his promises. You see, there was a prophecy that he highlights right here. And it's it's an interesting one. He made several promises in Zechariah chapter 9. Really encourage you to go read Zechariah chapter 9. Even today on Palm Sunday, it will be a good reminder of what we're celebrating. But in Zechariah chapter 9, God makes three promises and keeps his word in every single one of them. And the first thing he tells God's people is, hey, there's a city that's very boastful called Tyre. And they think that because of all of their money and power and wealth, and they even have like a sea around one of their islands, they have so much comfort in all of those things that they think that they're better or worship themselves over God. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to wreck that. I'm going to show them that their, their security is ultimately not in their money. Security is not in the safety of where the, the, the city is placed, the, the capital city out in the water. So there's going to be... a a mighty king that comes from the north from Greece and comes down and he's going to lay waste to this. God makes this promise (laughs) because he knows all things. He's omniscient. And if you know your history, I love history. I love reading history and studying it. God keeps his word to the T. There's this man, Alexander the Great, that came from Greece down into Palestine. And he goes to Tyre. Zacharias says the people were, were... Got to be so secure because they had water around them. And God says, No, 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 no. They're going to scrape your silver and your gold off your city and then they're going to crush that island. That's exactly what happened. Alexander the Great comes on the scene and he walks up and the people are on the island and there's a water gap and they're mocking him and they're making fun of Alexander the Great. And so what Alexander the Great says is, All right, this is what I'm going to do. Guys, soldiers, I want you to take their entire city, scrape it down to the bone. Take all of those buildings and all that rubble, and I want you to build an island or build a, a, a road out to the island. And we're going to walk across it, and we're going to burn that city to the ground. And that's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. God said this is going to happen, and He did it. And then God follows that up with a second promise. He tells His people, "Hey, you're going to be very fearful of Alexander the Great, this king." Doesn't say it by name, but we know it based on history. You're going to fear this king, but you don't need to because he's not going to wipe out my people. He's not going to wipe out Jerusalem. And he doesn't. He doesn't. But then God makes a third promise. He says, there's a king that's going to come, my king. And he's not going to be like this arrogant, prideful king, Alexander the Great. No, he's going to be a humble king. And he's going to come bringing salvation to you how is he going to come? He's going to come like this, riding a donkey in all of his humility, all of his humility. So God makes all these promises and keeps every single one of them. And then here in Matthew 21, he's wanting us to remember that, to take place what has been fulfilled and spoken by the prophet. When we come to Palm Sunday, we got to remember that God always keeps his word. And this should give us great peace and great comfort. That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He will not break what He has promised. Now, for many of us, when I say God's word and the fact that He always keeps it should encourage us, many of us aren't encouraged by that. We're just not. But God gave us this gift and reminded us this because we live in very unstable times. Things are always going up and down and we're trying to find security and safety and all these different things and we continue not to find them. And God's like, look to me. I'm the only one that's stable. Look to my word. Remember the truths that I've given you in here. So when this world is tossing and turning you all sorts of ways, you have a place to plant your feet firmly. And the reason why many of us aren't encouraged by this is because we don't know God's word that well. We haven't treasured it up in our hearts what we what we hope to do and what we do oftentimes, including myself, is we'll try to just sprinkle God's word over our life and feel like that's gonna be enough. We're just gonna sprinkle these truths on our lives and read the Bible every once in, in a while, and, and maybe come in here and hear a little bit on Sunday and not pick up my Bible again until next week. And God's like, no, no, no. I want you to treasure my word and hide it deep in your heart so when everything is out of control and things are difficult and hard, you can find stability the promises of God. That he keeps his word. This doesn't mean that we're not going to go through tumultuous times or difficult times. God's word even tells us that we will. Some of you, even in this room today, you're living in a Psalm 88 season. Psalm 88 talks about the, the psalmist's writing and how difficult and how hard things are. And he says, my only friend, my closest friend is darkness. All my companions have left. and My spouse has left me and the only friend I have is darkness. Some of you feel like that. But if you read Psalm 88, he talks about God's word. And God being that firm foundation in these dark times. This is meant to give us hope and peace and rest. We should look different than a world that doesn't know God. Because our hope doesn't rest in our bank account, or our economy, or our politics. It rests in the Lord God Almighty. That's where our peace rests, in Him. So Palm Sunday, this is what God is trying to get us to see. This is what God is trying to get us to grasp. Now, there are times where God takes a while to fulfill His Word. And it can be difficult waiting on God, but... Don't be confused. Don't misunderstand. God will keep his word. And you go and you read the book of uh, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11 is a a whole list of godly women and godly men who followed God. And many of them heard God's promises and yet struggled to trust in God. Is he going to keep his word? There were doubts that filled their mind at times, but they were faithful to follow the Lord even in the midst of their doubts. And they found a reward. They found the reward in Him. Some of us sit feeling like God has promised and has not fulfilled yet. But think about the people in Zechariah's time. God makes His promise hey, a king is coming. A king is coming. It's going to rescue you and bring salvation and protect you. And they had to wait 500 years before Matthew 21 happened. 500 years. Had God not kept His word? No, he kept his word, absolutely. Sometimes you just got to see that God has a longer view than we do. But nonetheless, he always fulfills what he has promised in his word. So church, be encouraged. Be encouraged in tumultuous times that God is faithful to keep his word. That's what Palm Sunday is meant to remind us. Now some of you hear that, and you still maybe struggle to trust God. Is he really that good? Is he really going to keep his word? Well, that leads us to the second reason why Palm Sunday is so important. Palm Sunday displays a humble king who came to save us. See, our God is a good God. He is a God who came to save. He's not just some tyrant that's up in the clouds that gives commands. No, he is a God who loves and he keeps his word. One of the ways he does that is by showing his great love for us through his humility as he comes to save us. This passage, this passage shows us the humility and the gentleness of Jesus. It comes into focus for us to understand and to see in a really unique way and in some odd ways. I mean, there's a donkey. Matthew tells us that Jesus rides a donkey into Jerusalem. What? He did this intentionally. He could have got something else. There could have been many other options that Jesus could have chosen. But he picks a donkey to communicate because he wants you to see. He wants us to understand the humility of our God to come for us and to save us. And it might be confusing to us. Put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. (laughs) Remember, they know all these checklists of a king and what he should do. And so when they hear what Jesus is planning, and Jesus is like, hey guys, we're going to head into Jerusalem, the the holy city. They're like, yes, let's go. That's awesome. We're going to do that. And he's like, yeah, and then we're going to go into the temple right after that. And they're like, that's right. That's what the king does. He goes into the temple. And then he's like, and now I'm going to need something to ride in on. And they're like, yes, what are you going to ride in on? He's like, a donkey. They're like, what? What? Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. We need to get a PR person in here, Jesus, because like, this donkey is not going to work. Like If you're going to declare yourself as a king, um, this donkey thing is not going to look good for, for the PR side of things. And if you notice in this passage, it's funny. Jesus didn't just ride any donkey in. Jesus tells his disciples, hey, go and find a donkey. And when you find the donkey, you're going to see uh, the colt tied next to her. That's a baby donkey. And Jesus doesn't even choose to ride the adult donkey in. He chooses to ride the baby donkey. Get this in your mind. Jesus is riding a donkey, kind of knees up to his chin on a baby donkey as they're going down into the city. Right? Why? That's weird. That's odd. Like, why not just stroll in? Why? That's better. That's better than riding a baby donkey into the city. It's because God is communicating to you and I so clearly. You have to see the humility of God. The God of all the universe wants you to see something about himself in this moment. You've got to see it. You've got to grasp it. Jesus is putting his humility on display. His humility on display. Why? Why such humility? In order to save. In order to save all who would believe in him. The crowd, as Jesus rides this donkey in, they're shouting, Hosanna. Hosanna. This is actually quoting the Old Testament in Psalm 118. And it says this. You'll see it on the screen. It says, save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, we don't see in our translation, but that word save us at the very beginning of Psalm 118 is literally Hosanna. So God's people, as he rides that donkey and are are crying out, save us, save us. I mean, this word Hosanna is a word that you would use at that time if you fell out of a boat and you were drowning and you needed somebody to reach out and to grab your hand and pull you in your boat. you're, You're screaming, Hosanna, save me, I need salvation. And this is what the people are crying out as Christ comes in and it's humility riding on a donkey, save us, save us. Now, what breaks my heart over this is if you go and you read the gospel of Luke, Luke 19 tells us this this exact same story. And as Jesus is riding in, as he gets closer to the city, it says that his eyes are filled with tears and he has sorrow in his heart. Why? Why? Jesus, why are you sorrowful when people have just laid palm branches down and their coats down and have said, save us now, Hosanna, and they've praised you? Why are there tears in your eyes? Why is there sorrow in your heart? And it's because they missed what Christ was saving them from. You see, the people were looking to Jesus for salvation in political change. Oh, Jesus, come and give us political change. Put the right person in office and everything will be great in our culture again. Others were looking for salvation and economical change. If Jesus comes in, you know, like he can turn water into wine. We can make some money there. He can take, you know, a few loaves and feed 5,000 people. That's a lot of money to be made. So if we put him in office, he can give us all this money. And this is where our peace comes. So when they scream, Hosanna, many of them are saying, give us political change now. That will save us. Give us economical change now. That will save us. And Jesus knows the heart of the people. And his heart weeps. That's what Luke 19 tells us. The people missed their greatest need. Jesus desired for them to find true peace through repentance and forgiveness of sins. The real issue is not an external issue. It's an issue of the heart that there's wickedness and sin in the heart of man that Christ and Christ alone can get out. And so he comes with humility and gentleness in order to deal with their sins. The only way that was possible was for him to take our place on the cross. So this is where our hope rests. Our hope rests in this gentle king who came to save. We've got to see it. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 that's quoted here. This highlights the same truth, that salvation was going to come through humility. You'll see it on the screen as well. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. How? Righteous. He's done nothing wrong. There's no sin in this man, and yet he will die for sin. Having salvation, he brings salvation with him as he comes. For he is humble, mounted on a donkey, colt of a donkey. See, this is the just king. He is righteous. He's the saving king. He's the humble king. And this is exactly what we need. We don't need a king like the world's have, like other nations have. This is what history is full of. It's full of it. There are many revolutions that have happened because somebody came into power and oppressed people. (laughs) People came into power and had selfish hearts and ruled over people in mean, evil, wicked ways. Think about this. 1600s all the way through the 1900s. We see this in all of Europe England, Russia, France. People came into power, oppressed people. We don't need a king like that. Zechariah is saying that's not what Jesus does. The the true king is a righteous king, he will do all things well. He's the true king. He's not going to come to enslave you, but to bring liberation through salvation. He's the true king that will rule in humility. And not just one nation, not just one city, but every nation. For he's the king of all creation. So application I would say to this point is this. Let us on Palm Sunday be reminded we are saved by grace. We are saved by grace. And the connection that I'm making with that is as we look at Jesus riding the donkey and we see humility... This is showing us that our salvation isn't given to us by earning it in strength. It's not our strength that gives us salvation. It's through the humble, saving grace of our God that we find salvation. And this is different from any other religion in the entire world. Any other philosophy that you can think of, this is different. Because everything else will say this, you be a good good person. You live up to the moral standards, whatever those moral standards are for your culture and your time, do what's right in your own eyes, and like you're a good person. There it is. That's your salvation. That's your freedom. That's what you get. What we find is that is not what Jesus is communicating. You see, we find salvation through weakness and through grace, the grace of a humble God. See, our God is not an arrogant God like every other religion that says, work your way up to me. You keep all these moral rules, you'll be good, maybe I'll let you into heaven. This is not how the gospel works. You're not going to get to heaven, and God's going to size up your life and be like, well, you're way better than all these other people over here, so come on in. No, we are wicked. We have sin in our heart, and we can't deal with it. Our morality is not going to cure it. It's an incurable disease apart from Jesus Christ and His grace and His humility. And it's through his humility, a God that leaves his throne, sets down his crown, and comes to earth in order to save us. There is no other way by which we could be saved. If there was, then this is the biggest blunder in all of history. If all we needed to do is just be a little bit better, or have Jesus make us a little more moral, then why did he have to come? Just send some teaching. Some teaching will clean us up. And then we'll be good and we'll come into heaven. But no, he comes and is humiliated and dies on a cross in order to save us. This is the gospel. We are saved through humility and weakness. Not in the strength of ourself. Now some of you think, well that doesn't apply to me at all. And I, I want to help us at least process that name at our own heart for a second. Let me, let me talk about that for a little bit. If you fall into that category of I'm trusting my strength for my salvation, that's where my hope rests, then you'll fall into one of two categories. You'll fall into pride or despair. You see, if you think it's my strength and my ability, then if you keep that moral code really, really well, and that's what I feel safe and secure in, then you'll become prideful. Hey, I've kept all these marks. I've done everything. I'm a good, I'm a good person. And then you'll start to become arrogant and you'll start to judge other people that don't keep the same standards as you do. I I can't believe this person doesn't understand this. I can't believe this person doesn't keep this moral code and do all these things because, like, I am morally superior to them. If you trust in your strength, that's what you find. You find arrogance. Or the opposite extreme, you find despair. You find despair. Because you realize, I, I can't. I can't keep up with all these moral codes. I've messed up, not just once, twice, multiple times. I swore I'd never do it again, but here I am again, and I can't keep it. And so we're just so weighed down, and we're bogged, and we're depressed by by everything in our life. Because that's not the gospel either, if you're trusting in your own strength, because you can't do it. We trust in the grace of God. We're not saved through our strength. We're saved through his humility and his weakness. The grace of Jesus to come and to do what we could not do on our behalf. Please do not miss this on Palm Sunday. Please don't miss this truth. I beg you. Because the people miss it. If you look at the end of verse 10 and going into verse 11, these people know Jesus, but they don't see him as Lord. People are asking the question at the end of verse 10, who is this guy? And the crowd say, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. They know his teachings. Hey, he's a pretty good teacher. They call him a prophet. They know his name. This is Jesus. They know his hometown, his home city. They know that from Nazareth of Galilee. And yet they do not know Jesus. They don't see him as king. They don't see him as the one who humbly came to give them what they could not earn. They could only receive it. They couldn't achieve it. Please, please don't know this story and know the name of Christ and know all these facts about Jesus and yet never bow your knee to him as king. Though he is humble and though he's riding in on a donkey, he's still worthy of all worship. He's still worthy to have us bow our knee to him and proclaim him as Lord of all of our lives. That's the only way we're going to find salvation. It's the only way we're going to find peace and hope that we long for and need. Lastly and quickly, I'll give you the third reason why Palm Sunday matters to us. And it's because Palm Sunday gives us a glimpse of what is to come. It gives us a glimpse of what is to come. The entry into Jerusalem with the waving palms is very short-lived. You see, just a couple of days later, some of the same people are proclaiming crucify him. It's short-lived preview of an eternal Palm Sunday that is to come. The book of Revelation talks about the final fulfillment of Palm Sunday. And it says this in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. After this I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with what? Palm branches in their hands, crying out in a loud voice Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. This is what is to come for all believers. One day, we who have been saved by God's grace are going to stand with millions of other believers from Bangladesh and Egypt and Iceland and Australia and Ecuador. From Japan and Burma, thousands and thousands of people. And we will be proclaiming that our God saves, that he is the lamb that was slain on our behalf and salvation belongs to him. We're going to see with our eyes endless fields of green and shimmering with life and pulsating with praise to our God who is worthy of it forever and ever. Amen. And so praise Jesus today for his faithfulness to keep his word. That everything he said he was going to do, he brought to pass. Praise God for his great humility to come and to save us when we, could not our sa- when we could not save ourselves. Think about this. Had Jesus forsaken his word or disregarded his humility on the first Palm Sunday and taken the throne then, then none of us would ever be able to stand before the throne in white robes. Waving palm branches of praise to him in the age to come. We could not do it. But praise be to our great God who always keeps his word and who came to save us through his humility. Let's praise him. Pray with me. Lord, thank you. We thank you that you brought salvation to us in humility. We thank you that we have hope, not that we have earned our salvation but we look to you and believe that you have brought salvation to us god you humbled yourself and left heaven and came to earth because we could not make it there apart from you lord you know if there was any other way you would have picked it you would have chosen it but there was no other way for which we could be saved apart from the cross so god thank you for this truth that reminds us you always keep your promises. You always keep your word. What you have spoken, you will fulfill. Whether that's a promise that you're going to come or whether that's the promise that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Lord, you keep every single promise. We praise you for that. Stir our hearts to worship and praise you, Lord, for you are worthy of all worship. Would you save now? Not through our strength, but through your strength. Not through our works, but through your works. For by grace we have been saved. God, thank you for that truth. Stir our hearts to praise you now. In your name we pray, amen. Church, let's stand now, let's sing to Jesus our King.